Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Well, guys, Jesus said money is bad for you. We'll be passing around the collections plates momentarily to relieve you of this burden. (laughs) Go ahead and just drop your whole wallet in the plate. We'll dispose of your wealth responsibly. Thank you. Amen. (laughs) I say that jokingly, but honestly, doesn't this gospel sometimes more than any other make us incredibly uncomfortable? Especially in the Episcopal Church, where we would rather talk about sex than money. This is a gospel we would rather ignore. Not only does it indicate that our annual pledge drive is upon us, but it's the gospel people use to convince us that God doesn't want us to have money. God wants us to live austere lives in modest homes decorated only in hand-me-downs. God doesn't want us to have Jaguar season tickets or a nice car or to ever go on vacations. This is the gospel that some people use to tell people who have more than them that they are being bad Christians. But this gospel about the rich young ruler as he was named in other gospels, believe it or not, is not actually about money. Let's review the last month of gospels we've heard. We heard the one about the disciples arguing over who is the greatest. We heard the one about stumbling blocks and salt. And finally, we heard the gospel about divorce. So at least the way Mark arranges it, Jesus has spent a month warning us. Jesus has been warning us against our own behavior, against pride, judgment, breaking vows, inequality, and injustice. So why would this gospel stray from that pattern? Jesus is pointing out stumbling blocks. With each crowd of people, he is looking into their hearts and speaking to them directly about their own weaknesses. He wouldn't talk about divorce with the rich young ruler because divorce is not the weakness the rich young ruler is facing. The rich young ruler is too attached to his possessions, his money. The problem is not the money. The problem is the idolatry. Money is a tool. It is neither good nor bad. Money cannot do anything on its own. We are in charge of money. We can use money to bomb cities. Or we can use money to build hospitals. The money has no opinion in the matter. At this point, someone normally points out that in the book of 1 Timothy, Paul says money is the root of all evil. I'm here to tell you that is not what Paul says. Paul says in chapter 6, verse 10 of 1 Timothy, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. This goes right along with what Jesus says in both Matthew and Luke. No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Well, Jesus didn't really use the word wealth. 
Jesus used the Greek word mammon, which was actually a god of money back in the day, which brings us right back to idolatry. Jesus isn't warning us about money. Being rich is not a sin. Some of the greatest men in the Bible were loaded. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Job, David, Solomon, Joseph of Arimathea? But Jesus can look at the rich young ruler's heart and see his pitfall. And it is his relationship with his money. He's happy being a disciple of Christ as long as it doesn't interfere with his business. He has made mammon his God before Yahweh, and the only way to cure that is to give it all away. As we heard from Jesus two weeks ago, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. Money is a stumbling block for the rich young ruler. And Jesus is telling him to remove the millstone from around his own neck. Jesus is telling the rich young ruler to go cold turkey. It has often been said, show me your checkbook and your calendar and I will tell you where your priorities lie. From that examination, we live in a culture where we worship the almighty dollar. We buy things we can't afford to impress people we don't even like. We work long hours away from our churches, families, and friends in order to make extra or to get promoted. We pay car notes and cable bills and lawn guys way before we consider what we might give to God that month. We are worshiping at the altar of mammon, and there's only one way to regain control over our money instead of letting our desire of money control us. We must give it away. I learned how to give from a bunch of college students. I was in law school living off of a part-time job and student loans when I heard a fiery sermon at my Episcopal University chapel. Our priest, a former Pentecostal turned Episcopalian, y'all know what that means, looked me dead in the eye, or at least it sure did feel like it, and said, if your entertainment budget is bigger than your gifts to God, you better re-examine your priorities. That stuck. And I started noticing how my college classmates, some of whom had much less than I did, were always willing to give. Every Sunday, our offering plate was full of crumpled up dollar bills. One of my classmates had livestock back home. He always gave 10% of every head of cattle he sold. And every Easter, he provided us with a lamb to roast. These kids, 18 through 22-year-olds, gave with joyful hearts. They gave sacrificially. And that ministry continued to grow out of their offerings. These kids were planting the seeds for the work of God to continue at Florida State. Now, Jesus tells this young man to give away everything. However, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, only gives away half and is welcomed by Jesus with open arms. Are we as Christians required to live lives of poverty? I don't think so. I think what Jesus is getting at 
is that we need to give until we regain control. When God is our first priority, everything else will right itself. Jesus has spent the last few weeks telling us not to concern ourselves with the worldly. He is telling us to focus on the life to come. But he is also telling us that we will not be able to righteous ourselves. Let's revisit what Jesus said about wealthy men entering the kingdom. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. We are not saved because we gave a tithe of our gross income versus our net. We are not saved because we sold all of our possessions and worked pro bono for cancer research groups. We are not saved because we pray 12 hours a day or because we've joined the priesthood or because we've become a nun or a monk. We are saved because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It is impossible for us to save ourselves. But with God, all things are possible. Wealth is not a sin, but worshiping at the altar of mammon is. We can be slaves to our possessions, or we can be masters of them. The question today is, who do you serve? Amen. Amen.